hello. Was that four hellos? It was indeed, because this is the Podcastic 2. Oh, my God. <laughs> Griffin's making this disgusting smile on his face right now. Griffin and David present the Podcastic 2, the Hello, first everyone. and last episode of the Podcastic 2. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? You know, there could be another Fantastic Four movie yeah, down the sure. line one day sure. that we want to talk about. Uh, we are, of course, the Podcastic 2. I'm Griffin Newman. <laughs> David Sims. With us, as always, is uh, producer Ben Hosley, also known as Producer Ben, also known as Producer Ben, also known as The Ben Deucer, also known as The Haas, also known as Mr. Positive, also known as... Uh, hello, Fennel. Hello, Fennel. Hello, Fennel. Yeah, there we go. Hey, uh, a uh, hearty guys. hello, Fennel yeah. to us all. <laughs> <laughs> Spirited uh, hello, Fennel. Hello, Fennel. Uh, so, guys, I listened to some of the commentary. Uh, you uh, are really just giving it to the fans, you know? <laughs> we're giving it to the fans. <laughs> they, they, were just, they were just asking for it, and you gave it to them. Let's say this, though. I mean, we're Did now- we talk about the movie at all in the commentary? We mostly <laughs> spend like we spend like an hour and a half dissecting Ewan McGregor's career. Yeah, but I think it's a good use of that commentary. Sure. We talk about the movie a little. I, mean, I occasionally will be like, oh, this is the scene where- It doesn't matter. It's well-worn territory at this point. I mean, anytime I pointed out how bad it looked, you went, Griffin, we've talked about this. We had talked about it a lot. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I like I would like catch a little moment where they would just be like, we are never watching this movie Ever again. again. Ever yeah. again. Very happy. Uh, I like the part where you just mention the existence of Mordecai, and I laugh for three <laughs> minutes straight. I cannot stop laughing. Mordecai! That wasn't a bit. You can attest to that. No, I not at all. I could not it stop was, laughing. It, you know, we, we were a little worn down. And I yeah. think I think I may have summoned a picture of Mordecai on my phone. Well, first you just said we were reading through the credits. <laughs> then you just said, <laughs> said Mordecai. Mordecai. I laughed for two minutes. Yeah. Then you showed me the picture, <laughs> and then I laughed for another minute. Well, IMDb has this <laughs> sort of <laughs> this sort of screen grab. It's very embarrassing. He's on the hood of a car. <laughs> <laughs> that guy. That Mordecai. That Mordecai. <laughs> 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 and we talked about it on the commentary. We, we it's too easy to we make fun of Mordecai, it. but it's really fun. We're gonna watch it. Oh yeah, and we're gonna have a blast. We're never gonna release it to you folks. We're not gonna record it. It's it's for us and not for you. Yeah. Although speaking of that, Richard Lawson really wants to watch Aloha. I think we should do an episode of, about Aloha. Oh, I'd happily Richard do Lawson. Aloha. Have yeah. you haven't seen Aloha? No, yet, I right? have, but I want to watch it again because he, it is in my brain like encephalitis. Yeah, I would love to. Do uh, he hasn't seen it. Okay, but I have. We should do that. Yeah. I saw it with Pilot Virowit at uh, the Williamsburg Theater. Uh, she complained. We were the only people in the theater. Uh, I saw it with uh, Matthew Starr at the uh, AMC uh, 22nd, uh, 42nd Street 25. Mm. Um, and we were uh, we smuggled beers into the theater and drank mm. Bad uh, idea. while we were watching. Well, I think it was a good idea, and yeah. it connects to one of the movies we're discussing today. You should have had uh, appropriate drinks with the little Hawaiian uh, umbrellas in them. Yeah, um, we yeah. tall boys and we put Hawaiian umbrellas <laughs> in there. Uh, we put a lay around each can. Yeah. Um, I I uh, also, uh, and this is not a thing I do often, uh, I, I smuggled uh, beers into the theater to watch a Josh Trank's 2015 adaptation mm. of the Fantastic Four. Because oh, I see. Maybe this is why you like it. I don't like it. Don't say that. I complicated thoughts. We have a lot to talk about today. Yeah, so I've been asking on this podcast for yeah. weeks whether Griffin has seen the Fantastic Four movie yet by Josh Trank. Not always on mic. Sometimes before we record. Sometimes, just because I knew he cared a lot about Fantastic Four like I do. They're my favorite characters in all of comic book history. And I just, the movie was so bad and I really just wanted to hear what he thought about it. And he hadn't seen it. And then finally he saw it and he demanded we sit down and record this podcast for you about the Fantastic Four movies. 
All the Fantastic Four movies. The movies. We need to discuss. All four of them. Now, this podcast. All Fantastic Four of them. All Fantastic uh, Four of them. This podcast, we've established. Give some pats for that bad pun. This larger franchise we are running, Griffin and David present. Right, yeah, the Griffin and David present franchise. The through line, the thematic through line is blank check projects, when someone is yeah. given complete creative control. And this or, is- Or whatever. It, it doesn't have to be com- they have complete creative control, because, I mean, obviously, Josh Trink. Well, this is my point. I think the interesting angle for the Fantastic Four movies is that the main authorial voice on all four of these movies is the studio that has the rights at that time. Sure, that's all, true. All four movies were made for craven reasons to retain rights for the characters. Even the fourth one? I guess so. Yeah. Yeah? yeah. I mean, the fourth one... The Trank one a, we're talking yeah, about? Yeah, the, tra- the Trank oh, one... Oh, they a, were going to lose the rights No, I tomorrow, know, but, but also, yeah. in a vacuum, like, it seems like a good idea. It's kind of like, nobody really liked the other one. It's time for a, someone to do a good Fantastic Four, right? I agree. You know? Like, I agree. Something really wrong with, like, if Marvel had gotten the rights yeah. and were like, we're doing them, then everyone would have been happy. Well, David, I think we need to start at the beginning. Okay. The year... Ooh. I think it's 91, 92. You want me to look it up for the Corman movie? Yeah. Uh, in the 1960s, Roger Corman uh, noted uh, B-movie maestro, uh, producer-director extraordinaire, a thrifty sort, makes films on the cheap, you know, would get a location like a castle. 94. 94. 94, wow. So they nailed it with the release year. Uh, I think all Fantastic Four movies should come out in years that end in four. That's my belief. And only one of them has. Um, although it didn't come out. Um, but uh, he's he's a thriftmeister, right? Yeah, sure. He makes cheap like shock movies and horror movies and action movies. You know, sometimes they got some broads in them, and uh, you know the they... good ones. Yeah, exactly. And uh, he worked on you know he helped careers of Martin Scorsese, other Jonathan guys. Demme, yeah, you know like, Ron Howard launched got them, got them their starts in like how directors. to make a movie fast and cheap. Yeah. And uh, Coppola, notoriously Coppola, Coppola yep. I think was a screenwriter on one of his movies. They were filming in a castle, and he went, we have the castle for another week. If you can write a script in the next 24 hours that films entirely in this castle, we have like $3,000 left over on this movie. You can make a movie in a week in a castle. Right. And that was like uh, Coppola's first movie, I think. Dementia yeah. 13? I don't know. I believe. Um, Get back to the point. In the Roger 1960s, Corman. he buys the rights. No, I don't think so. No, I, I'm correcting you here. I said that's 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 I thought that's what you were about to say. Correct me. Go on, go on, go on. I Corman be- doesn't come on till later. You think Corman bought the rights in the sixties? I think he buys the rights in the sixties or seventies. No, I don't think so. According what do co- you think? Well, according to Wikipedia, uh, Burned Eichinger, who's More like the guy, Wikipedia. who's the guy who produced all these movies, Burned yeah. Eichinger. Yeah, he met with Stan Lee. Okay, asking for the movie okay. rights to Fantastic Four. Okay, he got them three years later. Okay. For two hundred fifty thousand dollars. What year is this? In uh, that would be in nineteen eighty six. Okay, which is not a lot of money. Not a lot of money. <laughs> two hundred fifty yeah. grand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I think Marvel is probably at a a bit of a financial low, maybe in the mid eighties. I mean, the comics yeah. are doing okay, but it's you yeah. know. But also, you have to understand. There's no superhero movies yet. Time, making a movie about a superhero. There's Superman. That's about it. Go fuck yourself. They, they would Superman. say to that idea. They would. Yeah. They made Superman, but at that point, by '86, Superman's on its last legs. We're at like Quest for Peace era, where Superman's like a, a big stinking pile of poo poo, and Batman hasn't come onto the scene yet. Right. Mm-hmm. Batman changes the game. That's in '89. '89. That's three years later. Yeah. And at this point in time, they're developing Batman at Warner Brothers, but they're going, oh, it should be a comedy, right? Batman, like Adam West, that thing's silly. Sure. They want to do Batman with like Bill. Murray. That's the plan, right? Okay. 
And so the idea of doing like a comic book movie, A, prohibitively expensive. You can't realize the effects. B, they're for kids. Who wants to watch kids' movies? Technology's not totally there yet. Fantastic Four, you know, you got a stretchy guy. That's hard to it's do. Tough. You know, yeah. So he buys the rights. It's a lot for this guy, but not a lot in the grand scheme of things. No. And anyway, he has the rights for a while. Budget mm-hmm. concerns preclude any production. And with the rights, going they're going to expire at the end of 92. He, um, he goes to Corman. And makes a low-budget Fantastic Four saying they didn't say I had to make a big movie. It was made for $1 million. I'm eating a bagel. So the thing here is he was at the end of his window for the rest. Yeah, he had to make it. He had to make something. They made it in about 20 days. He That's goes to crazy. Corman. Corman knows how to make movies sure, for yeah, little. Yeah. million bucks. Tight schedule. They use all like Canadian actors, like soap opera actors. Yeah. No known stars. No. And they make a movie. All these actors, I've read a lot of interviews with it's them. It's so sad. They all thought they were like, I'm, I'm in a Fantastic Four movie. Right, because at the point this movie's being made, Batman has come out. And they must have thought, like, look, it's a cheap movie, but hey, like, maybe it'll hit, you know? It's going to hit. Yeah. And they uh, had a trailer that they attached to certain home video releases of, like, kids' films. They were, like, starting to do promotional stuff. Right. But, alas, he never intended to make this film. Ole Sassoon is the director. Son of Vidal Sassoon, uh, right. noted hairstylist. Yeah, son of Siegfried Sassoon, noted World War One poet. Is that true? I'm not sure. Okay. Carry on. The plan was, if I make a film before this window expires, I retain the rights for another 10 years. Something like that. Yeah. He keeps the rights. And then I can sell the rights to someone else in order for anyone else to make a movie, which now... There's a possibility. Now it's the early 90s. There have been two Batman films. There's a wave of other uh, noir-ish sort of pulp hero films that come after it. Less the big DC Marvel characters, but you have The Shadow, you have The Phantom, you have Dick Tracy, That's you have The true. Rocketeer. Yep. None of those big hits, but all... Yeah. You know? Yep. Only the first two Batman movies work, and the second one's a bigger disappointment. Uh, although a misunderstood masterpiece, Batman we'll, Returns. We can talk about that someday. Talk about that later. Uh, 15 years from now. Um. Now people see some potential money in the Fantastic Four, and at this point, Marvel is selling off all their characters to actual interested parties. James Cameron comes very close to doing both an X Men movie and a Spider Man movie. I know. Before both. he ultimately does Titanic instead, his Spider Man movie that would have been something. Would have been rad. Hopefully, had a lot of sex in it. Have you read the treatment? Yeah, I have, and it's weird. There's a lot of, like Doc Ock fucking people, and and like I don't know, he like the thing. You know, he's really hot on the thing where he can make the webs out of his body. Organic web shooters. Yeah, yeah which is, you know, I don't know. I'm pro-organic web shooters. I'm very anti. Well, let's keep on fighting. Um, but at this point, yeah, all the Marvel properties are being sold off to different yep. studios, oh, different yeah, yeah, directors. Yeah, yeah. And so Fantastic Four has some value. And this schlockmeister goes mm. to Corman, goes, let's make it quick. We're never going to release it. It's an Ashcan copy. Ash can and movie. I will retain the rights. And I will be able to get a lot of money from an interested party who will buy the film from me just to never release it. And then they will retain, quote unquote, remake rights of the film Sure. to then make their own version. So that's what he does. And Fox buys the film. It is never released. For years, it was available on like bootlegs if you go to comic conventions. You can watch it on YouTube now. Well, now, now yeah. in the internet all right, era. All right, all right, all right. But I had to go and buy a DVD. You did? Wow. Yeah, when I was 14 years old, I had to go buy a DVD. Mm. So Fantastic Four are my favorites. Sure. Okay, I want to sidebar here for a second. Go on. 
in going through all my childhood belongings, okay. because my father was selling his place because he didn't manage his finances correctly. <laughs> in addition to finding certain questionable history papers, the biggest yep. discovery I made is how like every single notebook, because I kept fucking everything in my entire life, every single notebook I had from like seventh grade to twelfth grade is just littered with Fantastic Four doodles, mm-hmm. notes, concepts. Right. I, as like a 13-year-old, was obsessed with the idea that I would someday make a Fantastic Four movie. Mm-hmm. And spend- Make one. Yes. Not be in one. No, make one. Make one. Make one. So I'm going to make a Fantastic Four movie. Yes. And I would just draw character designs and come up with scene breakdowns. I like had like scraps of drafts of scripts I wrote and fucking storyboards. Of course, extensive merchandise plans. That was, you know, let's... Put the cart before the horse. Yeah. Um, and I, uh, my college essay, my college admissions essay, I wrote was about how much I love the Fantastic Four. You told me that. I remember all, that. All, yeah. all of all of this, right? Yeah. These characters mean a tremendous, tremendous amount to me. Um, I don't remember why I got onto this. Side I don't either. Oh, so I go find the bootleg yeah. when I'm 14 because this means a lot to me. Um, it's bad. It's a bad movie. Yeah, bad movie. It was clearly made in 22 days. Uh, yeah, right. It feels yes. like. Yeah. You, there's a point where you can almost hear the characters going like, oh, we got to finish this up. Where you can see a guy <laughs> at the corner of the frame pointing at his watch and just going like, we got to finish this up. It has really bad special effects. Yep. And, a, you know, it has to have a lot of them. It basically seems to be shot at like a laser tag arena. It's kind of like dark <laughs> and there's like a lot of smoke, mm-hmm. you know, to sort of mask any... Uh, seams that might be noticed, although the seams are very noticeable. Sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, the suits look sub-cosplay. Yeah, although, you know, you got to applaud them. They actually wear the, the suits, you know, the kind of yep. classic Fantastic Four oh. suit with the big four in the middle. Oh, I agree with that. Yeah. They got the classic blue and white. The thing is... It's like a like subpar animatronic, like yeah. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles style. Like rubber foam suit with, with a With a mechanical face that's yeah. not super expressive. No. His mouth can move up and down. His brow can be more or less furrowed. But... <laughs> but it exists. And it fucking looks like the thing. It's, it doesn't move super well. It looks like yeah. the thing, design-wise. I guess so. It looks like the thing. The thing is... It, anyway, go on. Human Torch, whenever he flames on, looks like an MS Paint drawing. <laughs> yeah, he looks like clip art. <laughs> he looks like clip art. I thought you were going to say they just lit a dude on fire. They just <laughs> lit a dude. That would be better. <laughs> yeah. That would be better. If it, would it was real. that stuntman, that old stuntman thing of like the guy running <laughs> yeah. and he's on fire, like that would be better. <laughs> what was it, that fucking Primus video? What was that video <laughs> yeah, that uh, the Spike Jones did? Whatever. Yeah, exactly. It's not Primus and someone's going to chew me out for yeah, something. whatever. But that's what, that's what I'm referencing. That's what I'm referencing. Right. Um... Anytime the Human Torch flames on, it's entirely cartooned. Yeah. It, like they just cartoon like clip art of a building skyline and then just a little orange like like Cheeto like flying by. <laughs> it looks terrible. It's like Subtron yeah. kind of like, but not stylized in a film where that's not the There's aesthetic. There's no style. But Doctor Doom, let it be said, kind of looks great. Yeah, he looks okay. Looks like Doctor Doom. Is the classic costume. Is Again, a guy yeah, in a metal looks suit. More, he looks more like Doctor Doom than the other movies. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's true. Uh, the plot doesn't really make sense. No. I, I mean, it's the basic. They go to space, they get the powers, and they have to fight Doctor Doom. Like, there's not really... Doctor Doom's ostensibly the villain of the movie, although, like, the whole second act is them fighting some guy named the Jeweler. <laughs> I forgot about the Jeweler. It's been a long time since I saw <laughs> Who is not from the comic books. No. He sort of feels like maybe he's inspired by Mole Man, but he's a guy who loves jewels. 
And he quotes Shakespeare a lot. <laughs> he says, like, oh, what divine creatures we mortals be. Like, he says, like, weird, like, butchered Shakespeare quotes all the time. Yeah. And they just fight the jeweler. It's like a real petty. They, they, they fight Dr. Doom at the end, right? At the end. They but I'm knock, saying the whole they second They knock him act. off a cliff or something. Yeah, no, the, the third mm. act, the final villain right. is is uh, Dr. Doom. But the jeweler is like a tertiary boss. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. And uh, Which is interesting. The other movies don't have that. No. And the other thing I think is Which interesting. Which is the classic superhero movie structure. Yeah, you fight. like There's like a sort of sub-villain and then yes. you get to the big guy. Uh, the other interesting thing we were talking about right before we started recording about some of the things that make the Fantastic Four different than other comic book characters, especially Marvel. Mm. Another sidebar, some important history here. Fantastic Four, the, the first superhero family yes. of the Marvel Universe. Yeah. Timely Comics is created in the 1940s. Captain America is created as a superhero to combat... Nazism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're going to do the whole Marvel comics history. No, in a very abbreviated <laughs> yes, form. Yes, go right? on, go on. But at that time, otherwise, it was a lot of mystery comics, yeah, romance the, the comics. Su- superhero mind. comics don't really take off. Right. Or they, I mean, they had in the 30s. They, they kind of die off after the war. But they have a couple characters in the 40s. Captain America is one of them. Yeah. There's a character named the Human Torch yes, who is not android. a human. He's an android. Yeah, it doesn't make any and sense. And he catches on fire, right? <laughs> and Namor. Right. Yeah. Those are the characters they have. Those, those are the three, right? Yeah, that's, those are who survive, pretty much. Toro. Yeah. yeah. Bucky. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like 20 years later, a renamed Marvel Comics hires a scrappy young dude named like Stanley Hershkowitz. Yep. And he's like, I'm going to be a novelist. I don't want to put my real name on this. I'll call myself Stan Lee. And they go, we need superheroes. DC had been taken off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman. And then they create the Justice League. They put all three characters in one title. The title sells through the roof. Right? Yes. So they go to him, we need a team. What a team? What am I going to do with the team? Well, we got this Human Torch thing. He goes, that character's dumb. The robot's dumb. But I like the idea of a guy who catches on fire, and he creates this team. Fantastic Four, I think, are different than any other major team in superhero comics. I keep on fucking silencing this. My sister started high school today, no. and she mass texts my family a picture of her schedule, and now everyone's commenting on which teacher she did or didn't get. And it's a fucking texter that will not stop. All right, stop. all right, all right. We're already on way too long a sidetrack here. I agree with you. The Justice Fantastic League is Four. a supergroup. Yes, yes, Avengers yes. is a supergroup. Yes. X-Men has thousands X-Men of members. And, X-Men and those don't exist yet. It's just Fantastic Four. And what is revolutionary, like you're trying to say, it's a family. They are a family. They people. squabble. They have dynamics. But their team is very solidly that team. The roster doesn't change. At points in time, Ghost Rider's on there, whatever, but it's fucking bullshit. (laughs) You know it's a placeholder. Black Black Panther was a, yeah. Fantastic Four at its core is these four people. When someone else is in there, you're like, well, the the point is making us miss... The one who's yeah, now not here. And it's and it's four quadrants in, in a family. You know, the, the father. Yeah. The sort of stern, reproachful father. The, like, warm, nurturing, protective mother. And then the, like, two, like, scrappy brothers. Like, the yeah. hothead and the lunk. You know, yeah. I don't know. I don't know how you want it. There's yeah. so many ways to do that. Um, ben Grimm can kind of be the uncle, too, once they have their kids. And it's capitalizing on the space race. Yeah, all the, this stuff. The yeah, they just go to space with the cosmic. You read the first issue; it's literally just it did not, it, like the movies elaborate on it. The, the, it's just they just go to space. They were trying to get to space. And At that just, point in time, getting just to, space to, get to space makes them crazy. No makes one knew. Them what was no one knew what was going to happen go to if you put a person in go space. Go to space. They come back. They each get a power that somewhat mimics one of the four elements. Yeah, and kind of, kind of, really. Earth. Ben Grimm is yeah, is yeah, yeah. And fire, human torch. Fire. 
Uh, I, I, Mr. No Storm, I'd say, is air. Yeah. And, and Mr. Fantastic moves like water. He yeah, stretches. he's sort of fluid. You know, stretchy water. Stretchy water, man. You ever drink a glass of stretchy water? Stretchy water, man. Um, but but they are four people who have to be a team. Yeah. They don't choose to be a team. They're not recruited. It's not, well, we're all the most powerful people. They love each other. They hate each other in equal measure. Yeah. They bicker, like I said. But, but they got to team up. Yeah. And and the word fantastic, I think, is key. It's a very, very sincere, genuine word. Okay. There's Definitely something... not just illusion. Yeah, alliteration. Well, yeah, but I also think there's there's a, a spirit of adventure to the Fantastic Four and limitless possibilities. Exploration. Right, they're, going they're through explorers. different dimensions, yes, seeing absolutely. incredible things. They see all these great things, Jack Kirby. I, yeah. We could talk about the comics all day, but we're not here to talk about the comic books. My point is that I think this Roger Corman movie, in its oh, you're crappy, gonna argue for the, forced, yeah. bastardized way, mm-hmm. uh, captures some of that spirit. That's fair. It, it is. Because just... or. In comparison to the other movies, it's it's so uh, corny because so corny. it is underwritten because the actors are uh, functional at best. Yep. They don't really want to be mean to them because you know, right? But yeah. there is a sort of moon-eyed, uh, yeah. childish <laughs> optimism to the whole film yeah. that sort of captures some uh, by accident or by purpose. Yeah, sense of the film. You do see the four characters standing there in the suits that look like their suits. They look like they cost ten dollars. But they if look they're like just they're standing suits. there. It yeah. looks okay. And Doctor Doom is in this film, and he has a green cloak and a suit of armor. And he's like a dictator. He like is because all right. the other films he's are afraid Latervia. to make yeah. him well, what he is. Doctor Doom was ostensibly the second smartest man in the world. He would be the smartest man in the world if Reed Richards hadn't lived. And his rivalry, his jealousy over that, drives him insane. Yeah, and other things drive him. insane. He's the bastard son of uh, a leader of a country and a gypsy witch. Yep. And he takes the throne yep. and uses his country to yep. sort of combat the Fantastic Four. But he's also a sorcerer. Take over the world. He's got sorcery. <laughs> yeah, he's also a sorcerer. He's got sorcery powers <laughs> on his side. And he's an Eastern European dictator. And he's a master scientist. My favorite thing about Doctor Doom, what I think makes him an interesting character, is that sometimes you get the sense, oh, he's a good leader to his people. No, totally. We so in America weird hate sort him. of. His people live in these like thatched, you know, huts yeah. and castles and things like that. He lives in like the 16th century, but they all seem to like him. Victor Von Doom. Yeah, his name is Victor Von Doom. These the are best the thing. Things, he's Dr. The reason Victor we're Von talking Doom. about this, I think, is like this is what the movies have always stumbled on. You know, this it's, right out of the gate. Yeah, they they, they have trouble with this. It's like, a silly property. It's silly. There are a lot of silly things, and a lot of these films they they get scared and they get sheepish and they go, oh, what if we call him Victor Von Dam? What if he isn't really in charge of a country, but he goes to the country on vacation sometimes? Like they write around these things. I guess, yeah, yeah. And I think the way to make a Fantastic Four movie is to go head on into them, head first. Sure. You know, much in the way that Batman owns Tim Burton's Batman owns it by being gothic, highly stylized, you know, in a dark and gritty kind of different way, but so heightened and cartoony. Yeah. Batman's different. Yeah. But I'm saying Fantastic Four needs to own the world. I think you can do Batman a lot of ways. I don't think you can do Fantastic Four a lot of ways. I agree with you. They're like, you know. But but I think the common thread with the movies that don't work is that they're afraid of the property. It's one of the many problems many, that those movies have. I mean, the, to me, the best example is Thor The Dark World. I, I, the movie that nobody likes except for me. And we you. love it. But, like, th- that movie, like, it's like, 
Yeah, in the beginning there were dark elves, mm-hmm. and then like it will That's literally the opening line. It's the opening line. In the beginning it, there were dark elves. It cuts. It'll cut to like some forest, and like Svarvel time will like come on screen as if anyone is supposed to know what that is in reference to, and it doesn't matter. Like it's just like come on, you like it, just own it. Yeah, just own it. All right. So and also the, the movie, final right? battle in Thor: The Dark World, where they're fighting through different dimensions. Oh, I love that. Feels like how a Fantastic Four movie should end with like totally. silly, cosmic, insane, heightened. Like I don't even understand what's happening. Totally true. Anyway, let's talk about the Trank movie. You want to do We're this going in chronological? I feel like the Trank movie is what everyone cares. All right, let's do it. In, okay, okay. We're gonna talk more about the Trank movies okay. than the other movies, yeah, but yeah. I think we have to go in order. Well, I, yeah, I did just watch the Tim Story movie, so yeah. Twentieth Century Fox acquires the rights to Fantastic Four from this guy who is also a producer of that movie. Right. For about ten years, different drafts come through, different writers, some great ones, some terrible ones. I and Marvel it. movies start to hit. You got X Men in yeah. two thousand. You got Spider Man in two thousand and one. You know these movies start to work. The pressures. X Men two. Chris Columbus was going to do it for a while, goes yeah. off and does Harry Potter. Sure. Fox has uh, uh, Peyton Reed, yeah, who had directed Bring It On, which was a surprise hit, goes to Fox for his next movie, makes Down With Love, which we talked about on our commentary. Love, love that movie. They love that movie. They think it's going to be a big hit. Is that and 2003 he goes, that movie yeah. comes out? Yeah. He goes, what if I did a Fantastic Four movie? He's a huge comic book fan that was set in the 60s, that owned the optimism of the characters, the fantastical elements of them, and was focused on the characters and their dynamics set in this fantastic backdrop. You don't worry about making it relatable in a realistic way. You worry about making the characters relatable because they are recognizable and human, and then setting them in a fantastic backdrop. Yeah. And the other thing he wanted to really focus on, which makes Fantastic Four unique, that is no longer unique because the Marvel Cinematic Universe has not picked up this thread, is in the Marvel comic books, all the superheroes have secret identities. And the Fantastic Four do not. Right. They are celebrities. Right. From minute one. And everyone loves them. Pretty much. They go and they explore. And they like live in this building in like the middle of Manhattan that has like a big four on it. Yeah. Yeah. You know. And when a big monster comes out of the sidewalk on Fifth Avenue, People are scared, but they also go, oh, man, this means the Fantastic Four are going to show up. And people are cheering. Right. He wanted to own all that. Yeah. He said he kind of wanted to do Hard Day's Night Did as a wanna, superhero movie. Yeah, and said it in the, said it in the period, 60s. Period movie. Much like Down With Love. Said it with that sort of that great. look, that aesthetic. I think some of his casting choices, I think he wanted Clooney to play Mr. Fantastic. Would Clooney have done it? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I th- that's I, an obvious I, I think Charlize Theron, he wanted to play Invisible One. Okay. I think John C. Riley. He wanted to play the thing. No, that sounds great. Yeah, what did he want for the Human Torch. I think Paul Walker, yeah. who would have been right in the spot at that point, right in the spot. He would have been right in the spot. No, way. David, he was I in the that. spot. I hate that. I hate that casting. He's not charismatic enough. Watch Pleasantville. I like him in Pleasantville. Watch Pleasantville. Pleasant. I've seen Pleasantville a million times. We're not gonna talk about Paul Walker. It's too emotional yeah, for me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Down with Love bombs really hard. Yeah, real hard. Fox kicks him off the project. They want to get this movie out because well, there's also, a superhero craze. And also, I think uh, the rights issue is pressing against them again. They needed to make it. And there's an additional thing. Yeah. At this point, Marvel has rights to none of their characters cinematically. They are not making their own movies yet. And so Marvel's bottom line comes from increased comic book sales and merchandise sales right. connected to the movies yeah. that are out each year. And they want like two movies each year. So after Spider-Man 2002, it's like 2003, Daredevil and Hulk. 2004, I think, was Spider-Man 2 and... X-Men 2. No, X-Men 2 was... 
oh, it was 2003. Whatever. It doesn't matter. They want a couple films a year so they yeah, can yeah, yeah, keep yeah, the yeah. properties alive, right? Right, right, right. right. Uh, 2005, I think, was supposed to be X-Men 3, and it gets pushed back because Brian does. Singer leaves. Okay. They don't have a film that year. I get you. They want something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Avi Arad, at that point, head yes. of Marvel, goes, you got to make Fantastic Four. So they make Fantastic Four. They pick Tim Story, who had made Barbershop, which I love. Good movie. And then made a film called Taxi. Had he made Taxi? Yeah, I was about to ask. Is that that's before Queen Latifah, Jimmy Fallon, yeah. buddy cop comedy, remake, remake of a French, of a French film. Movie. Yeah. It's like France's Rush Hour. There are four Taxi films. Yep. They launched the career of Academy Award winner Marion Cotillard. Uh, okay. Beloved franchise. Oh, you mean the French movies? We're not talking about the French Taxi movies. I did, I'm just come on, man. Context. Let's keep it. Come on, we got to keep it going. They make Taxi. Taxi test screens through the roof. They go, this movie's going to be a huge fucking hit. That's crazy. Yeah. It got like 100% (laughs) approval ratings. Tom Lennon on some podcast talked about this because Tom Lennon, Robert Ben Garrant wrote Taxi. They wrote, yeah, right. They did a test screening and they went. Can we talk about how they are the worst screenwriters? The worst screenwriters. I mean, I think Tom Lennon's a really funny comedian. Me too. It's so annoying that he's like, listen to me. I'm, but he is successful. Well, wildly successful. But he, they're terrible. They write these terrible movies. And they were always sort of saying publicly, like, well, these are the movies we do for money. These are the family films. But yeah. we have our passion projects. Wait till you see our passion projects. Their passion projects, the ones they did for them, turned out to be uh, Let's Go to Jail. Let's Go to Prison. What was it called? The Bob Odenkirk movie? Yeah, Let's Go to which Prison. Which is terrible. I, I've never seen it. Yeah, it sounded weird. Uh, Balls of Fury. I, yeah, ping pong comedy bad. with Dan Folger yeah, and uh, that movie sucked. Yeah, terrible. All, all their passion projects were terrible. No, the Reno nine one one movie is good. It's solid. Yeah, yeah that's Agreed. solid. Because Reno nine one one is a Reno, good Reno, fucking world. And, and, right. and that's his the best thing. Yeah. I never saw Hell Babies. You see that? I heard it sucked. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Now I'm just looking at his. Uh... By the way, we're having them both on as guests next week on our show. Yeah. Um, it's crazy. He wrote the path. They wrote the pacifier. Oh right. They wrote Herbie fully loaded. They wrote Taxi. Herbie's okay. Taxi's you know, terrible. Pacifier's also... abysmal, and I say that as the biggest Vinny D fan in the world. It's a bad one. It's a, it's one anyway, of the worst Anyway, so they've made Taxi. Taxi's testing great, so let's get Tim's story lined right. up. They already, they commissioned Lennon and Garrett to write, like, three more Taxi movies. <laughs> they go, this is our franchise, and they go, we gotta hand our hottest property to our hottest director, Tim's story. Let's give him Fantastic Four. Hey, Tim, the one thing is you have to start filming in eight weeks. Is that true? That's great. They, like, hire him, and it's like, Super fast. Right. They have a draft of the screenplay, but they're not happy with it, so they rewrite it very quickly. Who wrote the screenplay? I'm, uh, I think Simon Kimberg is one of three. Mark Frost wrote the screenplay, which is crazy. I think he wrote Greater. the original he version wrote that they original, rewrote. Right. Michael France had a draft. Who, yeah. He wrote, like, Goldeneye. I think Kimberg tried to sort of tie it together. but had Kimberg's not in, not credited. Oh, he's uncredited? He had, I uh, heard an interview with him where he talked about having, like, six weeks to... Sure. Uh, make it. They also want to make it smaller and cheaper. Yeah, that movie is one set piece, basically. It's one set piece. It, it doesn't really. Yeah, it's a really weird movie. Yeah, it's really bad. It's r- it really does terrible. seem really rushed. It's yes, full of product placement, like uh-huh. insane product placement. Mm-hmm. Like the Human Torch gets banged against a big Whopper poster that says "New oh, New Flaming new Hot flame Whopper." Flame grilled, and he like yeah. lights it, and it like smokes. It's yeah, yeah it's crazy. Yeah, there's a lot of extreme sports. Yeah, the human torch has like a snowboard with him at all times, even though they're in New York City. And then there's the BMX sequence, too, yes. where he reveals, the, he comes up with the nicknames for the members of the Fantastic Four By in himself. a post-race interview Basically, at like a BMX at the X mo- Games, right. yeah. 
Uh, it feels like some Fox executive was like, eh, my kid can't stop talking about these X games. Can we put three X game sequences in this movie? <laughs> like, everything in the movie feels like some executive thought hurt a kid. It's like, yeah, well, this 14 year old I fuck told me that this is cool. So Everyone got, in Hollywood's a degenerate. You've got Welsh character actor Yoan Griffith. A terrible casting choice. As Mr. Fantastic. I mean, he's basically just playing like a stodgy person. A non-entity of a character. Yeah. He never comes across as truly smart, and he never no, comes he across- he comes across yeah. as a fucking idiot. He comes mad Because he's like- He's like always being stomped on by everyone yep. else, mm-hmm. and like he's supposedly like Sue Storm is like his old flame, and he doesn't seem to get that she like likes him or might care how he feels about her. In the comics, and the movies laying this really hard. There's sometimes the sense of like Doom was with Sue yeah, yeah, before yeah. Reed. They keep swapping, Sue. right? Right, and there's a <laughs> anyway, lot of their rivalry right. comes. We have to talk about Jessica Alba as Sue Storm. She's she's in Whiteface. Basically, she's yeah, wearing she, a blonde wig and blue contact. She's lenses. a Latina woman, <laughs> yes. and they try their hardest to make her look as Caucasian as possible, which is insane. She looks. She looks like an alien. Yeah, she looks like an alien. <laughs> she looks like white chicks. She looks yeah. like. Yeah, she looks like white chicks. She looks like uh, Marlon Wayans and white chicks. And there's this like somewhat creepy sequence where she has to undress in public. Oh, there are invisible. three sequences <laughs> where that happens, David. <laughs> it's crazy. There are three. There's one sequence where she's out on the street and she gets mobbed by fans because yeah. they want to hit home this idea that they're public celebrities. Right. And she's so uncomfortable by the fact that she's being mobbed and recognized by everyone because it's like she sees a newsstand and the tabloid covers are like, "Invisible Woman, what's she wearing?" Like whatever it is, and then they're like, "That's her." And she goes, "Ah!" She disappears, but her clothes are still there. And they go, "She's right there." So then she just takes off her bra. Yeah. There's like a CGI floating that bra. Happens more she than takes one. off and runs naked. It happens again on the bridge it sequence. It happens in the bridge. Yeah. The bridge sequence where she is, re materializes in her underwear because she can't control her quote control her powers. And then everyone yet. looks at her and she goes, Ugh and yeah, does like it's... the cheesecake pose where she's covering herself up. Yeah. Um she's also supposed to play a scientist in the movie. Yeah, I guess so. Uh is not convincing. I mean there's no mention of science in this movie though. It's like yeah. Victor Von Doom like runs like some sort of science corporation or you, mm-hmm. know, you know, NASA, the military. They, they don't there's no like app men, a, like application of their science. Uh, Michael Chiklis, uh, who is far and away the shortest actor in the cast, plays the thing. <laughs> He's the best one of them. I disagree. Who do you think's better? I think Chris Evans is good. Evans is okay. His character is impossible. Uh, like yeah, it was poorly written, but I yeah. think he actually He's you okay. see how he could have played a good Human Torch. Yeah, maybe. Um, the Chiklis is wearing a suit made of silly putty. Yeah, he's wearing like a rubber suit. I think he's all right. He's supposed to be made of rocks. And when he bends his arm, there are creases in the rocks. I know. And there's a time, there's a moment at which a bird poops on him, and he like, like yeah. rubs it off, and yeah. it's literally and like paint it, like, where it's it rubs like he's off. made of yeah. fabric. Yeah. Yeah. It's he. I still think he's the best though. The movie cost tens of millions of dollars. Yeah. And that's what the suit looks like because they didn't have fucking time to develop anything. Well, right. It didn't cost. It didn't cost a lot though, right? Didn't it cost like. Like seventy five million. They said it, it cost like hundred. It, it definitely cost like seventy five. <laughs> yeah, they definitely said it cost more because they want to make it look like a serious movie. Yeah, it didn't cost a lot. Yeah, they do test screenings. The movie's a disaster. Mm. In between, oh, we should mention Julian McMahon of Nip Tuck plays Victor plays, Von Doom. Yeah, yeah, who's now like a Trump like <laughs> businessman. He's so bad. He's a Trump like businessman who is on the expedition with them. Yeah, and he gets lightning powers. <laughs> yeah, he gets lightning powers and like metal. Right, because a key detail to like Doctor Doom was that he He's was vain. not part of the expedition. No, 
part of what drove him is that he felt left out. Yeah, and uh, but also that he's terribly vain, and that's why he wears this mask. Because, right. Yeah, the vain. superpowers he gets, which are uh, his powers of sorcery, are things he learns. He's not hit by an accident. He doesn't get hit by cosmic waves. Well, they wave. do it in the they do it in the train. All of them fucking do this thing where he's part of the expedition, and then he gets weird metal powers. He starts <laughs> yeah. turning into metal. <laughs> and I love the fact that it's like. The idea was he got a very small scar on his face. Yeah, he was in the so comics, vain. Right. He said, "Give he, me a mask and to cover it up." Right. He, he grabbed the mask fast. before it was finished. He fucking burned his whole face, and he wears the suit of armor to go along with it. It's his ancient, like, familial coat of arms, and he wears that. And now he's this terrifying man who owns the fact that he's like a dude in a suit of armor. And they all make it like he's slowly turning into tin. Yeah, I mean. The first, it's like he's in the, skin's in the story peeling movie, off. his skin's peeling off, he's got metal showing. He's unhappy about this. He hates it. But he also likes it. He likes Because he's power. like, power. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But the power, like you say, is just he shoots lightning. He shoots lightning. Yeah. Um, and there's this climax where they beat him together. On one block. They just hang out on one street corner. Yeah, they have one street corner to shoot on. He starts shooting like, some people, they're like, nope. Yeah, they like wrap him up. They force field him, they metal him, I mean, they, like, punch him, they set him on fire, whatever. They sort of freeze him, basically. Yeah. And then you think, like, oh, this is, like, in every superhero movie where it looks like he's defeated, but he's going to come back and do, like, more things and be even more, and then, no, that's the end. That's the end. It's like, great, we did it, the end. And the end- High five, everyone. The end tag is, they put him in a box, his frozen body, and the label in the box says Latveria. And it's like, oh, he's getting shipped off to the country that we know he rules. Right. Dumb. Dumb. Fucking dumb. There's exactly one moment in the film I like. What is it? It's not even you perfect. Swallow that bagel. Got swallow this motherfucking bagel. There's one moment that I think gets at the spirit of the thing. That is almost a good, well-observed character moment. Victor Von Doom, now wearing a mask because he feels like it, even though his face is turning to metal, uh, gets a grenade launcher, like a rocket-powered grenade launcher. And goes to the top of his building and just starts shooting it off the top of the building. Right. He's shooting it towards their building because he wants to kill them. Yeah. This is all totally unjustified. It makes no sense. It goes from zero and then to a thousand. human torch. Is that okay. the scene you yeah. like? So he sees the missile coming towards him yeah, and, and they look at it. On. Yeah. And he runs towards it. And it's just this line. You like that line? I, I think in a better movie, <laughs> yeah. this would be a decent character beat. Sue yeah. says, Johnny, don't even think about it. And he says, I never do. Yeah, and he jumps okay. off and flame on. I don't think it's like it's a funny line. I th- don't think it's like a witty line. I think it actually kind of captures the character for one moment. <laughs> is that Johnny is not a good person. He's all right. He's a very selfish he's person. He's a hothead. When he's a hero, it's always just sort of out of vanity. Yeah, kind of. You know, he loves the attention. He likes attention. He, he likes loves the family. power. He likes showing off. He likes his family. He'll protect them. But it's like he's not going to chase this missile, which is oh, it's heat seeking. Yeah, that's the idea. Ugh. And he like he like drives it into like a oil tanker. He or something. Drives it into my butthole and like <laughs> fart. It's the worst movie. 
But I like that one Gary moment. Washington's he's not doing it to save the day. He doesn't think about it. He's just, I never do. I'm just going to do yeah, this because I like it's, flying. It's, it's decent. Kerry Washington plays his blind girlfriend. The he's thing's a blind girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah. There's a big set piece scene on a bridge where the thing wants to kill himself because yeah. he goes to visit his wife after he's turned into a rock monster. And she doesn't want to hang out with him. She doesn't want to hang out with him. She thinks he's grody. <laughs> and so. Yeah, there's a long, there's a big plot thread about the thing like unthinging himself. They try to unthink. Which is something they do in the Trank movie too. Yeah, they go to a bridge. Sort of. Uh, a bird poops on him. He gets angry, so he walks off the bridge. Yeah. And then a car hits him. Yeah. No, and then that's the the other big set piece. And then there's they like just a, have to a deal with a multi-car pileup. Yes. So they have to all like come and save him, which includes uh, Jessica Alba being her panties. Yeah. It's the fucking worst. And then right when the they finally solve the problem, they save the day, and everyone cheers the Fantastic Four for the first time publicly, even though they're responsible for the entire thing happening. Yep. Everyone's cheering, going, yeah, Fantastic Four. And it's that level of, like, extra work where it's people holding up to, like, number one fingers and going, yeah, Fantastic Four. His ex-fiance. Yep. Just mysteriously. I believe played by Brigitte Wilson-Sampras. Am I right? A Lori Holden. Oh, it's Roy Of The Holden. Walking Dead. Okay. And uh, uh, X-Files fan. What movie was Brigitte Wilson-Sampras in? Anyway, go on. Carry Bill on. Madison. Well, okay, sure. Yes. I was just like, go on. Carry on. She shows up. Lori Holden. Here she Suddenly, is. Suddenly. At this crowd scene on a bridge that was blocked off, she shows up in like a negligee yeah. and just looks at she him. She wears a negligee in all of her yeah. scenes, yeah. And just shakes her head and then takes the engagement ring off her finger and throws it on the ground and walks away. <laughs> <laughs> That's the level of screenwriting in this movie, that people just show up at moments, even though it doesn't make sense how they got there, where they were, how they knew where anyone was, and they just do symbolic gestures. The movie is terrible. Yeah, it's bad. It makes a lot of money. It makes a good amount of money. It opens to, I think, $60 million opening weekend. I saw it. Ten years ago. I saw it. Opening weekend. A big stat was that year was really, really bad for the box office huh, in North okay. America. And uh, every week was down from previous weeks. From previous years, rather. Yeah. So they always, a fucking serious box office point, they always do this thing where it's like compared to the weekend of September 7th, 2013 box office sales are up 30% or down 20% and every single weekend was down. The summer was down. Yeah, and it was up. You're saying this was the up week. This was the first up week right. all year. Right. So Fantastic Four got an unnecessary boost because it looked like it was saving the summer. And it made $150 million in, yeah. the, in the US. Yeah, it's and fine. it cost million. It did well. So they immediately greenlit a sequel and they thought the sequel, we're going to expand. We're going to go even bigger. We're bringing in and the Silver right. Surfer. Right. It made the exact same amount of money. Yeah. yeah. It cost it was, a lot more. God, that movie was marketed, like, really heavily. Yeah. Um, they did the Galactus arc. The, kind the fame, of. The, well, right. Fame, the most Galactus, famous. Galactus, eater of worlds. Intergalactic creature who literally eats planets. Yeah. Is the has the potential to be the Marvel Universe's greatest disaster movie. Like a beautiful Roland Emmerich movie. Where suddenly this horned, armored giant comes in and starts destroying your world. And yeah. who can save us? Only the Fantastic Four. And the Silver Surfer. And the Watcher. And the Ultimate Level of Fire. Uh, in this movie, uh, Galactus is a cloud. Yeah, he's a cloud. Mostly it's the Silver Surfer arrives. Yeah, and he's is like... played by Lawrence Fishburne's voice. And Doug Jones's body. And Doug Jones's body. And he sort of... His rock he surfs hard, ar- shiny He surfs around. Body. Yeah, he does a lot of surfing. Uh, at one point, Doctor Doom gets his board... Or something. Yeah, Doctor Doom comes back and yeah, he's got a new suit of armor and he's riding like a disc. Yeah. And then he gets the surfboard and then he's surfing too. And isn't there, he like Silver Surfer kind of falls in love with the Invisible Woman? 
instead of the Yeah, they, they, uh, the beginning of the movie is their wedding. Yeah. And Steve, uh, not Steve, uh, Brian oh, yeah. Posehn is the minister. Yeah, and, and Stan Lee tries to get into the wedding, and they're like, you can't come in. He's like, but I'm Stan Lee. He says it. Which is so frustrating because the one- It's the one time that he plays himself, maybe. Well, know. and also, in the first movie, they have him play Willie Lumpkin, yeah. Fantastic Four's mailman, yeah. 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 who they always jokingly say is the fifth member. And it was a cool that he got to play a character that he created. It wasn't just a cameo. It was like, horny old man. It's like he's playing a Stan Lee character. Yeah, well, in, in the, the second, second movie, movie, he played Stan Lee. Right. Fuck the movie. <laughs> Andre Brower is in it. Yeah, given nothing to do other than he's go, like listen, the, fantastic he's the general. Four, I don't think you should. He probably got, like. So much money. Yeah, some decent, and he's a pro. Thing. He's a great. He's so he great. hits his marks. Look, he, he won an Academy Award and he deserved it. For the for Fantastic the Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer. For Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer. Right. Yeah, that movie basically relegates Mr. Fantastic even, like, it's like, he yeah. doesn't matter. We don't like him. The Silver Surfer interrupts their wedding. Yeah. And the Human <laughs> Torch the chases him. That's basically. maybe the one good action sequence is that right. chase. Yeah. Which was the trailer. The entire trailer was just that sequence. Yeah. The first movie was really kind of a kid's movie. Yeah. They test screened it. It didn't go well. So yeah. they went, let's add in more, like, kid's humor. So there's a lot of, like... Ben and Johnny fucking with each other, which is a staple of the comics, but in a really goofy, like, Nickelodeon sitcom kind of way. Yeah, it's really bad. There's a montage of them adjusting to having powers that includes a shot of Mr. Fantastic reaching out of the bathroom to get toilet paper. Stretching to get toilet paper because yeah, he, his butthole is poopy. <laughs> and he doesn't, he's got a stretchy arm, so he's going to... That's that's a thing that's in the they movie. They don't know what to do with the stretchy. They don't know what to do. You know, they but, never, even though that's the visually the best power. Second movie, they try to get a little more serious. They do this ballsy action yeah, yeah, sequence, yeah. and then a big thing and where the, the- And the Nolan movie had come out, and so yes. like it's like, all right, well, superheroes can be serious. Like, Batman Begins do. came out the same year as the first Fantastic Four, yeah. which is a really, really interesting case of big shit all over its face. Yeah. yeah. There's a big uh, midsection where they all swap powers, so they're all like, yes, right. Human Torch is that. rocky, yeah. and the thing is fiery, and then they have all the powers at the same time. Sue's kind of interested in Silver Surfer. Yeah. Most of his role is just him saying like, Sh- shit's coming, and then the cloud comes, and then the cloud doesn't come. It's the worst. It's a movie. bad movie. Anyway, and then that was it. No so more that, fantastic. That movie four. costs a lot more. Yeah. And it, it makes the exact money. same amount of money. Yeah, and then Chris Evans quickly goes off to do Captain America yeah. just a couple years later. Right, and they go, it's done. And that's it, yeah. But as soon as four or five years later, Fox is apparently considering rebooting the characters. Right. Because if they don't, they will lose the rights. And at this point, Marvel is scooping the rights back. They're going, we're making our movies our way so other people can't fuck them up and hire Tim's story. <laughs> <laughs> well, also, you know, integrating them all into this big shared world. and All of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, and important to note, the Fantastic Four were the first family. That as they're establishing this timeline of all these characters, it, it um, becomes yeah. harder and harder to even imagine Fox, yeah. be, uh, Marvel being able to integrate in Fantastic Four into their universe. They could, they could. Yeah. but it would be weird. They, they, the idea is they are first. It's true. They were the first. They're kind of their first. Right? Um, so, mumblings. Uh, maybe they're trying to do this. Maybe they're trying to do that. They're going to make mm-hmm. it at some point because mm-hmm. Marvel would love to get the characters back. And then this movie Chronicle comes out. It's solid. I don't like it. You don't, you I dislike, dislike that movie, it. but okay. people like it. I think it's solid. Don't like that. Movie. I think more than anything, it's like a really good showcase reel yeah, for Josh Trank exactly as a filmmaker. That's exactly what it is. It's not a great movie, but it's a really good it's showcase. It's a found reel. footage movie. He's got good performances from his actors. He casts with uh, Dane DeHaan and Michael B. Jordan and another guy. Who's the uh, other guy? I, who knows? Yeah. The one who's and it's about some and punches kids, the wall. It's about some kids who get powers. They yeah. can fly. They're telekinetic. For some reason, they shoot everything on like a 
video camera. <laughs> it's a found footage movie, but it's one of the found footage movies that actually uses found footage well. Kind of, except by the end they do have to be like, I'm going to bring the camera with me! Sure. Okay! Which but, is my problem with found footage. But yeah, it, it uses it better and sticks to it as a cinematic device more than most that movie. of these fucking I don't movies. like that movie. It's okay. too self-serious. It's like Dane DeHaan's character's really... I don't like that movie. It costs like $15 yeah, million to make. it costs no make, money and And the effects tons. are great. Yeah, it looks good. And it good. makes a lot of money. So everyone goes, ooh, this guy's interesting. It makes total sense. Fox goes, maybe this is our in-house guy. Maybe we can incubate him and make him to us what like Christopher Nolan is to Warner Brothers. Sure. He had made small-scale films that gave him Batman, and now he's their big tentpole guy, right? So they went, what can we get Trank on? <sighs> Fantastic Four. Trank, do you have any ideas for Fantastic Four? And Trank goes, yeah, this is what I would do with Fantastic Four. I'd try to make it really grounded and gritty. I'd make them young. Make I'd a- make them emotionally tortured. So right now it sounds like he's just pitching Chronicle. <laughs> and, like, he wants to make, like, a body horror movie. He wants to make he a He wants, Cronenberg- like, their transformations yeah. into these things kind of scary and weird. Yeah. Whereas usually it's like, cosmic rays, crazy. And it's fantastic. And three of them are like, fantastic. And the thing's like, oh, I hate my body. My, I'm, I suck. You know, but that's the only conflict. colors yeah, 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 yeah. fun and all this magical power. No, he's going to do this like creepy sci-fi horror mm-hmm. skew, like, you know, whatever. What is your f- response when you hear this at the time? This is like 2012 maybe. That the, the sounds shitty. Okay, these are my feelings. I go, that doesn't sound like the Fantastic Four movie I want. That doesn't sound like the one I drew on my notebooks. No. But at this point, I have seen three shitty movies. Yeah. This sounds so far away from what Tim Story did, which was my least favorite take anyone could do. I understand. That, that, and I thought that too. I would rather someone make a good movie with these characters that doesn't classically represent them than make another shitty movie. Right homogenized. It sounds like he has a strong take on it at the very least, which I'm excited by. Right. I go, I'll wait and see. He casts four very strong young actors. Miles Teller? Yeah. Kate Mara? Okay, Miles Teller is way too young and like when he was cast, I was like, yeah, Miles Teller was good in Whiplash and The Spectacular Now playing a, you know, 18-year-old, but like why would he be Mr. Fantastic? The Fantastic Four should be in their 40s. (laughs) This doesn't make any sense. I believe this strongly. Of course they should. I think Johnny should be younger. Yeah. And the rest of them should be like... They could be in their 30s 30s. to 40s. I think Mr. Fantastic should be 40. Ben Grimm should be around 40. I mean, in the comic book, originally at least, Mr. Fantastic's like a lot older than the Invisible Woman, and it is creepy. And the Roger Corman movie does that. (laughs) Yeah, it does. When he first meets Sue, she's a little girl, and he's a a professor that she has a cute I know. That's in the comics. She has a crush on him. She thinks he's cute. I like that they did that. Because <laughs> I like a creepy things. So Miles Teller. Kate Mara. They make them all little kids. Kate Mara was in House of Cards, yeah. which she was fine in, and I'm she's really great in two scenes in Brokeback Mountain. But I'm really not, ex- great. not exactly, you know, going around saying like, hey, Kate Mara is like she's the solid. I she's think she's fine. solid. Michael B. Jordan's human torch. Great casting. I love Michael B. Great Jordan. Great choice. He's, He's super fucking charismatic. Jamie Bell is the thing. Makes no sense. Jamie Bell is so pretty. Why would you make him the thing? Well, a couple of things. Once again, Ben Grimm should be a big guy. Yeah. Not and, like a wiry little like five foot seven Brit with like a dancer's body. And they keep on talking. And like a chiseled jaw. In this Josh Trank movie, they keep on saying, he's pretty in a very delicate way. Yeah. They keep on saying this Josh Trank movie like, uh, Ben, he's the muscle. Yeah, they, 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 they he's, he's the bruiser. Rough. He's supposed to be a rough kid. He's rough yeah. and tumble. Um... 
I think the reason they hired him was because Jimmy Bell has proven himself to be a master of motion capture. I see. Yeah, he's done a lot of motion capture work, and he played Tintin, and he's very good at it. Yeah, he's good at it. Um, He's fine in the movie. uh, Along with Andy Serkis, the two people who have sort of stood out in motion capture work are Jamie Bell and Toby Kebbell, who is cast as Victor Von Doom. Wait, what was Toby Kebbell? He was Koba. Oh, yeah. Donna Plan of the Apes, which is, I I think, a phenomenal performance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was another motion capture movie he did that I can't remember now. Mm -hmm. Let me look it up. Um, Toby Kebbell, who I mostly know as a character in the Black Mirror episode, uh, The Entire History of You. That's mostly like what I know that actor from. I think he's a fine actor. He's fine. Uh, I think he's. You're saying he's a fine actor. I think he's a fine actor. He's in Wrath of the Titans. Yeah, that movie rules. Uh, does it? Though? No, it didn't. <laughs> um, yeah, Black Mirror. Yeah, nothing yeah, really. He's really good in Sorcerer's Apprentice. Oh fuck off! I'll oh, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he well, he's a young British actor. Their take is more inspired by the Ultimate Fantastic Four, in yes, which they all which meet in their early twenties. Yeah. It's not my favorite interpretation of the character. It's this stupid comic than Marvel. I like the Ultimate line but not all they all mean their 20s it's sort of a harry potter type thing where it's like the school for the most brilliant science kids exactly and they all meet there and then they become the fantastic four traveling to different dimensions rather than into space they go into alternate dimensions and that's what this movie does yeah and the the original comics have that too the negative zone these sort of alternate dimensions they go to but it seems like for the first time we're gonna get a fantastic four movie whether or not it's the right singularity of vision yes yes exactly now max landis was originally going to write the movie right and then he exited for some reason. Yes. Uh, he he they, had written Chronicle. Uh, turned down his pitch. Yeah. Uh, they picked up another script, which was recently reviewed by uh, Devin Faraci mm-hmm. over at Birth Movies Death. And uh, that script sounds perfect. Well, who's it by? Uh, Jeremy Slater, okay. who I think still gets co-screenwriting credit on this film. Mm-hmm. But his film uh, started, essentially, what is Josh Trank's Fantastic Four? The entire story that comprises that entire film was the first act of this script. Mm. And the you end You don't of, have me so far cuz it's not like the first act is anyway, go on. No, no, no. I'm saying everything that happens Oh, yeah. That makes sense. Was condensed right. to 30 minutes. That that's what should have happened. Exactly. Yeah. That's act 1. Okay. And then the mole man who lost funding for his right, who is Tim Blake Nelson to create life. Yeah. Um because they put the funding into Fantastic 4 instead unleashes a giant monster. The Fantastic Four escape from their containment unit, fight the giant moloid on Fifth Avenue, are publicly now revealed to the world. The government has to weaponize them and make them a team. They fight Victor Von Doom, who builds Latveria in the alternate... It sounds... Awesome. Galactus okay. is in it. The setup for Go, the wait, second Galactus movie. Galactus is in it The too? setup is that he finds Galactus in the negative zone, uh-huh. and Dr. Doom is threatening to unleash Galactus on the world. Okay. All right. That sounds like a lot. But it that sounds, sounds like a okay. lot. It sounds like a good script. And he did get credit, as you say, along with Kim Burke and Trank. Yeah, they got scared that it was too expensive. Yeah, and it was too weird. Well, why are Fox just such cheap scaredy cats? Well, I mean, I think also because Josh Trank's a young director; he's yeah. unproven; he hasn't worked with a big budget. Yeah. But they want to work in the Fantastic card. They want to work in Herbie the Robot. They want to work in all these elements of the lore mm. in this sort of modern way. It wasn't your grandpa's Fantastic Four. It wasn't my Fantastic Four, but it was all Fantastic Four. All right. Anyway, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. Yeah. Something <laughs> fucking happened we with this We don't really, movie. we should say, we don't fo- totally, no one totally knows what happened with this it's movie. It's sort of one of the greatest movie, filmmaking mysteries yeah, right and now. And I'm sure more what will exactly come out went because wrong the movie, when you watch it, is completely bizarre. It takes place in almost entirely in a lab. It's barely coherent. It takes it, place in one location. Yeah. yeah. It has almost no action in it. 
90 percent of the scenes that were in the trailers are not in the film including yes. action set pieces there's tons of stuff in the trailer that's not in the movie the movie was obviously reshot because kate Mara is wearing this horrible wig yeah uh so there's all this stuff that was obviously added in there's at like four different scene, points it skips ahead a year yes yeah there's one scene with victor von doom where he's this like bearded hacker right at the beginning yeah. called like you know doom.com or whatever yeah. and then he's like in a scene that is very clearly completely ADR'd like yep. they, they cut to like wide shots so you can't see the people yeah. talking it's like get back to the doom clean yourself up doom like get back yeah. to the lab and so then doom shows up in like reshoot mode as like another scientist there's the a lot of that and them. uh tim blake nelson's character was supposed to be the mole man right. they change his name so that he's not and he's in it but he's yeah he's just a grump but they change <laughs> his name through adr right. only when people's mouths are off screen do they refer to him and not as dr harvey elder but whatever his fucking name is mr john businessman <laughs> and victor von doom they were in the script they were going to call him victor von dam and they like yeah. change all through adr the movie is so compromised anyway, and so weird there was some movie yeah that Trank made. Yes. It was presented, obviously presented to the studio. The studio hated it. The one thing I have heard conclusively is that like six months before they were going to film, they got cold feet at his take, cut his budget in half. That's so strange. Why would you do that? Why is that going to make a good movie? And they commissioned a rewrite and they said, take the first act of this script and make it the whole film. The things that happen act two and three are really expensive. Mm. So maybe they just decided, look, this movie's not going to make money. Let's cut our losses before we even start production. I think it was cynical. I don't think they thought it's not going to make money. I think they thought Marvel's such a strong brand. Superheroes are so Oh, big. like we don't even need to we make We can release effort. fucking whatever and I'll do well. Well, that's not smart. <laughs> it made less in its entire run than the two Tim Story movies did in their opening weekend 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, it is a massive bomb. It's a huge bomb. And it's um, a and Trank, weird, weird neither fish nor fowl of a film. It's a terrible movie. And Trank tweeted something along the lines of like I had a great movie like a year ago and you wish you could have seen it and then he deleted it immediately obviously I don't doubt his version was better because no I'll tell you why because I always will prefer a cohesive vision I guess so to a mishmash yeah I would rather see his version of the movie even if it doesn't it's hard to imagine there would be a worse movie because this movie movie. barely makes sense on a scene to scene basis I was admittedly very drunk when I watched it because I I was sober I went into it like like a like a as a uh, judge like a, a batter as the judge like I I'm a member I was of sober a, as the judge which is not very sober isn't he yeah. drunk all the time No he's sobered up now because nobody oh, has a brain tumor yeah uh, or whatever right you went in sober <laughs> I went in with a brain tumor um, no I my relationship with these Fantastic Four movies it's, it's like an abusive relationship and I put off seeing the movie for weeks because I didn't want to go through it and I thought it was actually gonna hurt me honestly and so I brought beer into the theater and I got very drunk when I watched it and by the end of it I was just loudly sighing and like throwing up my hands I, I saw it with my friend Orlando threw up my hands a lot. and I was like fucking come on uh, everything about it just pissed me off so much because I truly love these characters as much as I love any characters in pop culture. And there are moments, brief moments. At this point, I'll take what I can fucking get. But there are moments where I just see the four appropriate colors on the screen at the same time. <laughs> and I get I get the pangs of like, I could, there could be a Fantastic Four movie. Like you see orange and red and blue and Sue's sort of whitish, bluish thing. And I go, oh, the powers are happening at the same time for half a second. This movie isn't working, but I see the power of the Fantastic Four movie and could have. Bear, it's like the movie has no set pieces except for 
So the movie is, yeah, they go to this special school, basically. The first 45 minutes are introducing all the characters poorly. So you got Mr. Fantastic is this, like, boy genius yeah. whose dad is Tim Heidecker, and he's like, I would love to Tim Heidecker, to Tim who, by the way, is, like, this. seventh build in the end credits. <laughs> I don't know if you crazy. noticed that. No, I did notice it. Yeah. Of course. It's insane. Yeah. He is, he's in one scene for one second yeah. sitting on a chair. And he's just like, he's hey, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Turn that, that fucking machine yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Sue Storm is... The adopted, like, Bosnian refugee daughter right. of Franklin Storm, who's played by uh, Reggie, Reggie Cathy, Cathy a great character great. actor. And then Michael B. Jordan plays Johnny, his, like, son. Who has left a, the world of science behind, just wants to race he's cars. He's like a mechanic, basically, but he can, he build, can build anything. anything. <laughs> yeah, they say. So he's brought in to build a time machine, essentially, or as, you know, a fucking wormhole machine. Ben Grimm gets beaten regularly by his brother growing up, who is played by, did you notice this? Who played Ben Grimm's abusive brother? Ooh. The thing's catchphrase is, is clobbering time. In this film, the opening I, scene, yeah. his brother's beating him and he goes, Oh, it's clobbering time. And no, it beats it the shit out of him. It's it. like, Oh, this is why Ben Grimm has a chip on his shoulder. Playing the role of whatever Ooh. his name was, Jimmy Grimm, Chet Hayes. Oh, no, I did know that. Right, yeah. yeah Rapper yeah, yeah, and son of Tom, Tom Hanks, Hanks son, Chet, Chet Hayes. Hayes. Yeah, yeah. It's, again, one scene. And yeah, again, but why was Chet Hayes well, in Well, they must have shot more of that because there's no way. Like that, I'm right? not asking why would he take a part that's small. Oh, I'm saying why did they choose him to play any part in that? He's song? fine. He's good. he gives a good performance. I think he's great. Great job, Jeff. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> he's okay. The first 45 minutes are just. And yeah, ben Grimm's not really involved in the first 40. That's it. He's like their best he's friends Reed's at friend, school. Once then... he gets recruited, he's like, I don't belong here, and he leaves. Right. And he's gone, and he's working in some auto repair shop. Yeah. Um. The five main characters don't end up in the same. City yeah. until minute 55, yeah, maybe? Doom is there, too, and he's, like, a rival, kind of... They get drunk, their funding gets cut, oh, they no, go... We, yeah. They go, you built the interdimensional travel machine, yeah, but they, we're gonna hire other NASA scientists to to go in and right. actually pilot it. Right. They get drunk and they go, fuck that, let's drunkenly in go one of tonight. the most, like, in a scene that feels like it was writ- written on a napkin, yeah. they get drunk and all of a sudden decide that, like... Because, like, we went to the moon, man, and we built this thing. We should be able to use it. Makes it, no sense. This is also over an hour into the yeah. film. And you're like, please, someone do something. The Fantastic Four do not go on the expedition <laughs> that powers. turns them into Fantastic Four until over an hour into the this film. This Tim Story movie, that's the ten minutes in. So, of course, the four people you expect <laughs> go inside the ship. Reed Richards, of course. Johnny Storm. Yeah. He smashes cars, so his dad said you have to help fix this machine. Yeah, he's there too. Right. They call up Ben Grimm at 3 o'clock in the morning. He shows up. They go, get on a Metro North. <laughs> he lives in upstate New York. They go, get on a Metro North. Long Can you be he here long in two hours? We're going to do a 5 a.m. drunk run to an alternate dimension. Right? He gets there, and then, of course, the fourth member is... Victor Von Doom. Because Sue Storm's sleeping. Yeah. Because Sue Storm is not even really a fucking member of this movie. <laughs> not really. So they all go off. No, but her power is pattern recognition. She fucking recognizes patterns on computer screens. <laughs> when she listens to her, like, Beats by Dre headphones. Yeah, and her power is that she's not into Reed Richards, and he's thirsty. He's mad thirsty. He's mad thirsty, bro. Anyway, so they go to an alternate dimension. Yeah, she wakes up and is Beeping. like, you what? guys I recognize went to the pattern. alternate dimension. Oh, no. So she gets on her computer, tries to pull them out of it. They all get hit by waves. Dr. Doom gets left behind. Yeah. They make it through. When they come through they on the other like, side. They do this really lame thing where it's like Reed Richards is like hit by like something stretchy. And like uh, Johnny's set He's on like fire. lighting a cigarette right as the machine goes <laughs> off. And then the thing is like covered in space rock. Yeah. And then when they come through on the other side, there's a residual wave that hits Sue Storm. So Sue Storm lacks the agency to even be part of the team, go on the trip, explore the other dimension. 
and Doctor Doom's left behind there. And yeah. now, like, an hour and 15 minutes into the movie... We cut to one year later. Yeah, well, they do five minutes of the body horror shit. There's yeah. five minutes that I think kind of works. It's kind really of. weirdly edited. It's clearly ADR'd. Yeah. But there's some interesting it's, imagery in it. It doesn't It doesn't work because you're so annoyed at the movie. But, like, you know... There's interesting there's imagery. There's in which it could have worked. Yes. I mean... The idea of Reed's stretchy thing hurting. Yes. I don't like that. It's stupid. It shouldn't hurt. Like, that's not the idea of that power. If you want to make it scary, make him scared by what's happening. Yeah. Not because it hurts, because, because it, it looks weird and that's a terrifying reality. <laughs> so anyway, then he stretches into an air shaft and he like goes to see Ben, who's just a pile of rocks. And he's like, I'll help you, Ben. Don't worry. I'm going to help you. And then he runs away. Freaks out. And a year later, he's living in like Albania. <laughs> And, it's the worst. And he's uh, using his this stretch powers to worst. make his face look like someone a little bit different than Miles Teller. Yeah. So no one can recognize him. Yep. Ben Grimm Me- is being weaponized yeah, by the military, ben but, is, but that yeah. sequence has been cut out of the movie. It's in the trailers, but it's cut out of the movie. You see a video right. of it. Of him going and fucking fighting. Ben, and, and you're like, oh, why didn't we? Please, could we see him? I'll yeah. watch that. That's fine. Is Ben going to punch some people? I'll watch that. The entire movie takes place in this one fucking lab, It takes place in a lab. They get Reed Richards back because they're getting weird signals. No, pattern recognition. Doctor, the pattern. Dr. Doom's there. <laughs> no, but no, they're like, <sighs> you know, Invisible Woman, you know, uh, Sue, she won't do it. And they're like, Sue, you got to do it because Dr. Doom's in there maybe. And she's like... All right, I'll use my pattern recognition powers and finds him, even though none of them could find him. It doesn't. I don't know. And he comes through and he starts busting. And heads. Human Torch has firepower. Yeah, he just hangs out in a room. He makes heads explode, and they're like, "No, Doctor Doom makes heads." Explode. That's what I'm saying. I was saying I was just talking about Human Torch. Okay, Doctor Doom comes through and he makes heads explode. And He's like, like a metal man. He's a metal man with lightning powers. And his, he doesn't even really have lightning. He just has head exploding. He powers. has exploding. He powers. like makes a humming noise, and then their heads explode. Yeah. This all happens in the movie. That's a good bagel. And then he goes back to his doom zone, and they go in there they with him. him. And for the first time at our I don't know, one, one minute forty of the film, yeah. the Fantastic Four suits up together in the same frame. Kind of, not really. Like there's a shot. They go to the alternate. They zone don't really work together for three minutes. There's and a like three Mr. minute sequence. And Mister Fantastic is something along the lines of like. He's stronger than all, any of us, but he's not stronger than all of us. And then... Oh, we're a team? I didn't the know. The most mind-bogglingly confusing CGI ensues. Nothing that nothing, happens makes chaos. sense. It's chaos. And it's, it's nothing clearly... Nothing that happens to me. And I'm not being hyperbolic. Like No, nothing makes sense. No. Um, and then they defeat him. It ended and Orlando said to me, my friend Orlando, who I saw it with, turned to me and said, I don't understand how they beat Dr. Doom. No. What just happened? No. You don't understand. No, you don't. Uh, it's chaos. It clearly was like they used the fact that the thing... And Human Torch are largely CGI yep. and use stand-in for Kate Mara yep. and then a wig. And, like, no, none of the actors, Lucas style, were clearly in the same place at the same time. And they cut Definitely it together not. and it's chaos and then it ends and then it cuts to another year later. Yep. And they come to their lab and they're like, nice new digs. Well, I guess we're a team now. What should we call ourselves? And they're like, uh, the awesome four, uh, the, the cool group, the rad quartet. And it's like, I don't know, something fantastic. And it's like, wait, say that again. And he goes, oh, you mean the, and then cut to black, directed by Josh Trank. They do the same fucking end tag that Avengers, Old Javoltron does. It's not their fault. They can't have known. Yeah, but it's also dumb. It is super, it's really annoying. The whole movie, they're wearing these drab black suits, like containment suits. They're in the lab. There's one fight. (sighs) It's the worst movie. It really is. And yeah, see you're yeah. But I went to, no no. It's but. better than the than the Tim Story one. I don't think so. But I think it is. No, it's not. It's yeah, not better than in, anything. In the moments where it works, 
for four seconds at a time. It's one of the worst movies I've ever seen. The Tim Story it, movies are like mo- aggressively mediocre and thus like awful to watch and like a really painful experience yeah. and he's he lights the whopper on fire yeah and you're just so mad at them yeah. but like they do have like like i said the tim story movies it's like scene one dr doom we need to get up to this space station you're and he's clearly like, watching right. scenes in order and that's then, what you're saying <laughs> scene two we're on the space station yeah. we got yeah, our power yeah. scene three we have our power there's linear story progression <laughs> which the trank movie lacks <laughs> But here's I, David. I don't even think we can judge the Trank movie because it's not a movie. It's like it's he what made they a movie released. and they threw half of it out. Well, fuck Fox. <laughs> I don't care. Fox blank Trank. check. The blank check in this case is that Fox and Roger Corman, all these people, had this money to make whatever they wanted to make, and every time they fucked up, and made the most cynical cash grab product they did, with disdain yeah. for the audience. Yeah. These this characters that make me happy, David. <laughs> I'm a sad boy, and few things make me happy in this All world. Right, Griffin. And every time I look at the Fantastic Four, I get happy, and I believe that amazing things can happen. I do. In the world, no, well, in the comic book. Yeah, in the comic book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I have stickers on my wall, and I look at the Fantastic Four, and I feel good for a second. Okay. We all hate each other, but we can maybe work together for all just right, a second. All right, all right, all right. My family doesn't get along. My dad spent all the <laughs> right, money. I'm cutting this rant short. I don't want to hear it anymore. We can be fantastic. I went into this movie... Ben is like just Turned reaching the for the knobs. Ben hates this episode. Ben hates us. Um, I went into this movie, you know, you had heard bad things. Yeah. But Simon Kinberg was involved, right? Yes. He'd made the X-Men reboot. Yep. They're fine. Mm-hmm. So you think like, all right, look. I know oh, we didn't even mention like we'd heard like Josh Trank. There's all these crazy stories about Josh Trank like. Couldn't take the pressure and trashed got the house. Off the movie. Got he, in a fight with like the county sheriff somewhere in Missouri or God knows like where. His dogs $200,000 worth of damage <laughs> to the house they rent. None of it makes any sense. The mythology <laughs> behind the making of this lo- film is Lots insane. of bad news. And then there was You this, saw a press screening. You saw it earlier, uh, That's right? what I'm saying, yeah. Okay, yeah. So then there was this interview with Simon Kinberg, I think maybe that came out the day I went to the press screening, where mm-hmm. he was like, I've seen the movie. It's not a catastrophe. Yep. Which, like, you're like, okay, it's obviously a catastrophe. If the producer of the film is like, look, I've seen it, it's and not let a me tell you, it, like, no children are killed on screen. <laughs> you know, like, it's like, it is John not. John Landis did not direct this. Uh, yes. And so I go to see the movie. I still think, like, look, the Tim Story movies are horrible. They're horrid. But. It's got to be better than those just because it's got an interesting cast and like, you know, he's he's a bit more of a visual director. Like, you know, surely. And it was worse. That's all I have to say. I saw it with pretty good expectations. Couldn't believe how bad. The movie I don't even was. think it's a movie and I don't think we can judge it. Okay, I didn't enjoy watching defense. it. It made me sad, but it's not a movie. And I would like to someday see Josh Trank's cut, which I also do not think is good. I but would, I think would be a bad film as opposed to. A bad collection of is they threw scenes in a hat and they juggled it up and they threw it in our face and they peed in our eyes. Yeah, I just spit bagel. You did at the mic, David. Wrapping this episode up, there's one film we haven't mentioned, which is the only good Fantastic Four movie ever made, and it's from 2004. And oh it's called yeah, Brad Bird's Incredibles. Right, and this is what all I mean. It's almost become a cliche to say it like that's the good Fantastic Four movie, but it totally is. But the point is, I mean, that movie that is might about be, a family dynamic of superheroes, and it might be the team. only good Fantastic Four movie we ever get because even if Fox lets the rights lapse they ten years from now, which they won't, right? But the soonest they would is ten years from now. They I guess won't. So. They'll reboot well, it. Well, they again. could sell it. I guess you could like buy it out. Right? Marvel could maybe like make them an offer they wouldn't refuse. But I don't know why Marvel right now would really be doing it. I also think the characters are so tarnished at this point that Marvel wouldn't want to bring them into their universe. Isn't Fantastic Four 2 still in development? Yeah, they're claiming it's still in development, those fuckers. Like, 
I have read arguments that it's like, look, yeah, the movie was bad. You've got four actors locked into contract. Why don't you make another one? Like, it is kind of, it's like the definition of insanity. You know, it's like. Or that they do it as a Fantastic Four X-Men crossover well, film, right. so it's that not was, properly a sequel. There's no way that's happening now. Because Fox is like, yeah. we got one franchise. We're not going like, to fucking get those yeah. Fantastic Fours in it. Yeah. But but the fact is, I it, they're damaged goods right now. And they were never as popular through other mediums, like cartoons, as the X-Men were, or Spider-Man was, where there's sort of as much a cultural understanding yeah. in a widespread way no. there were of who these characters cartoons, are. There were cartoons, but yeah, never... I, I went to a wedding this weekend. I was seated at the kids' table by request because adults are stupid. And I was talking to these kids about comic books because they knew I was a comic book nerd. And they were like, oh, what do you think about this? You read this comic book, da 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 and they were like, who's your favorite? And I was like, Fantastic Four. And they were like, Fantastic Four sucks. Marvel has phased Fantastic Four out of their comic book yeah, they have. because they don't have the rights they and even... they don't want to put money in Fox's pocket. Yeah, it's They're not on sad. any cartoon shows right now. They're not represented in video games. And the movies that are out there for kids to watch are fucking garbage. So I don't even think the announcement that Marvel had gotten the Fantastic Four back in their universe would be greeted with cheers by anyone other than the hardcore nerd fans. At this point, Marvel just goes, we're doing well enough. We got a good yeah, team. Forget it. It's sad because, like I said, Thor: The Dark World. Like, it, I do feel like the Marvel Studios tone, yeah. would nail a Fantastic Four. And movie. not to mention, uh, Peyton Reed this year directed Ant Man. He did a great and job. It did a fine job in, in difficult circumstances. Job. Jumping in late in the totally game. Totally true. Had to jump in with like eight weeks left before yeah. you know. It's totally true. But it has the right sense of humor. That movie's great. The way he visualizes some of the shrieking sequences feels fantastic that and movie lighthearted. Is terrific. Sure-footed. That movie is a me- yeah, I'm sorry, but it is really good. It's a solid fucking. Movie. I think it's great. You like it more than me. I like it a lot. You love it. Well, I saw it once and had such bad expectations yeah. of it, and was so. I'm. I still am mad about the Edgar Wright thing. Mm-hmm. And although now it feels like the scapegoat for that is that fucking crazy guy who just got taken off the Marvel movies, uh, the the CEO of Marvel, whatever. I was Pearl Mover. Yeah, exactly. Well said, Eric. Anyway. It's, it's a two-hour bagel. Yeah, seriously. That, that's a anyway. Um, I went into Ant Man after a press screening, and I was like, eh, I'm not gonna like this. And then I was like, Oh no, I really like that. Then I saw it again, like like a civilian, and was delighted by. It. Have you seen it twice? No, I should see. It a I recommend time. seeing it a second time because the time. the com- comic notes are what like really stand out. The second Which time. I think would be the key to making a Fantastic Four movie. Work. And Rudd's just great. Rudd's great. He'd be a great Mr. Fantastic as well. Um, the Rudster, I call him. The ruddiest star we have today. Yep. Um, I don't know if we'll ever get a good Fantastic Four movie. We might have to settle for The Incredibles, which nails the family dynamic, which managed to nail the humor, the sense of wonder, uh, the style. It feels like a 60s set film. It has those aesthetics. Yes. Um, I'll keep on trying. I have notebooks full of Oh, yeah, you should pitch sketches. it. Who would you right now? Who would you? Because so, Clooney, you know, he's too old. Like, you know, who would you right now want to be in a Fantastic Four movie? God, I had my cast nailed down ten years ago. John who was Cusack it 10 years was going to be a Mister Fantastic. Right, that would be horrible now. Right, but ten years ago it would have worked. Yeah, uh, that's sort of the tail end of Cusack's, maybe twelve years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the early two thousands. That'd be I, fine. I think I wanted Naomi Watts's uh, Invisible Woman. That's a very ten years ago choice. Yeah, uh, Billy Crudup as uh, Victor Von Doom. That's okay. I've never been a big Billy Crudup fan. I like him a lot. I love him in Public Enemies. Yeah, he's really good in that. Um, I have Paul Walker's. <laughs> he has no charisma. I love him. I love my Fantastic Four. I love my Furious family. <laughs> Who's the thing? I might have said Michael Clark Duncan at the time. 
It was oh, an obvious choice. That's hacky. That was hacky. Yeah, that was hacky. I admit that was hacky. Michael Clark Duncan, it was just like, is it a, is the, is the character large? Is he big? It's weird because Michael Clark Duncan's a good actor, but not in every circumstance. I was like, 14. I was no, a hack. He's okay. also dead now. He is dead. R.I.P. Michael R.I.P. Michael Clark Duncan. My favorite thing about Michael Clark Duncan is that he insisted on watching WWE SmackDown live every Friday night or whenever it aired. <laughs> and when he was nominated for an Oscar for The Green Mile, yeah. um, the president of the United States, George W. Bush, invited him to, like... Uh, you know, meet him, like come to the yeah. White House. He it was, was on like, a Friday night. And it was, he was like, yeah, I'm not going to do it at uh, SmackDown that night. That's amazing. <laughs> yes. He's the greatest. I met Peyton Reed once. I recognized him because I know what directors look like, especially uh, uh, secondary comedic directors. Right. And I said, I'm sorry to bother you. I just need to ask you, What was your Fantastic Four movie going to be? I've heard like snippets of it. Uh-huh. And it sounds so cool. Can you tell me more about it? And he said, honestly, man, I can't. It's it's too painful for me to talk about. Okay. And this was like five years before he gets Ant-Man. When right, he thought right, he was right. never going to get to make a superhero movie. Right. And he went, I think it was so good. And I think it could have been so exciting. And I went, the one they made was terrible. And he went, look, I don't want to badmouth any yeah, other director. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Tim Story's done good work. And I went, I love Barbershop. He went, I love Barbershop too. He said, I love Barbershop, comma, two. Not I love Barbershop, two, although I do love Barbershop, two, back in business. business. But he went, I just, I knew exactly what that property needed. And I don't know if anyone's ever going to make the right movie. And then he looked at me and he said, I don't know, maybe maybe you. (laughs) (laughs) David, he looked at me and he said, maybe you. Maybe you'll be the one to do it someday. And you woke with a start. I don't know. I might have to wait 20 years. Ben? I I mean, uh... Are we we're doing final thoughts? Final thoughts. So final I just thoughts. I just you haven't seen any of these movies, correct? No. Yeah. I I, did, I never liked Fantastic Four, oh, but I did really always love Silver Surfer. Cool guy. Comics. Cool guy. And mm-hmm. I always love Galacticus. Um, Galactus. Yeah. <laughs> you philistine. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, well, anyway, I looked up Guardians of the Galaxy to see if they were going to maybe include that character uh-huh. or even Silver Surfer. Fox possibly. still has the rights. Yeah. That stinks. They can't use the supporting character. That really, really stinks. Yep. They, they have the Celestials. They're sort of doing Celestial stuff. Yeah. In, uh, Guardians of the That's too bad. Yeah. So I'm bummed. So you like the kind of whacked out stone space, like, you know, cosmic shit. Yeah, I like that stuff. Uh, yeah. You right would. There. Final thoughts. The Trank movie is the worst. I, no, it's not the worst. <laughs> Here's my final ranking. Okay. Here are final thoughts. Final ranking. Yeah. Corman, one. Uh-huh. Trank 2, Silver Surfer 3, first Tim Story 4. I think I go Silver Surfer, Tim Story, Corman, Trank. Great. So we're... <laughs> the opposite. Yep. But, like, I don't like any of them. No, they're It's all like bad. two out of five, one and a half out of five, yeah. one out of five, zero out of five. One final note. The Corman movie does have a really good score. It does. It's, a, it's actually, like, somewhat beloved amongst, like, movie score heads. It sounds like all how right. the Fantastic Four should sound. I have to sign off. I do too. Uh, thank you all for listening. Next week we'll be back with. Oh my god! Oh, it's actually really exciting. Revenge Star Wars podcast. Episode Three. It's gonna be. I'm, it's gonna. We're gonna. We're gonna watch it. This one's gonna, gonna be fucking to good. Star Wars movie. He finished it out. He did a trilogy. Oh man. He finished That's his story. That's actually insane. All right. I love you all. Thank you all for listening. And as always. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.